Welcome to the AJHP podcast series. The American Journal of Health System Pharmacy is the official journal of the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, an association of pharmacists committed to helping patients make the best use of medications. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org. This is William Zelmer, a contributing editor of the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy, speaking with two of the authors of an AJHP paper entitled Implementation of a Non-Traditional Postgraduate Year One Pharmacy Residency Program. With me is Dr. Paul Carnes, who is Chief of Pharmacy at the Lebanon Veterans Affairs Medical Center in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. And also, Dr. Kevin Coons, who is Assistant Chief of Pharmacy and the Residency Program Director at the same institution. At the time this paper was submitted to AJHP, the Lebanon VA Hospital was a 250-bed institution. It had a pharmacy staff that included 32 FTE pharmacists, one intern, three PGY-1 residents in a traditional 12-month program, one PGY-2 resident in ambulatory care, and one PGY-2 resident in health system pharmacy administration. Paul, uh, your paper links the decision to begin a non-traditional pharmacy residency program with the department's strategic plan. Uh, please explain that connection for us. Okay, great. Well, back in 2011, pharmacy went through strategic planning exercises to determine what the priorities for our staff were. And what we wanted to do was ensure that the management team was moving the department in the right direction, of course. So during the strategic planning process, one of the items that got a lot of attention from our staff pharmacists was the creation of this non-traditional residency program that we were hoping would help develop the workforce as we moved to a more clinical practice. So we pursued that, and this goal certainly dovetailed nicely with the Department of Veterans Affairs strategic goal regarding being an employer of choice by investing in human capital. So we thought it would be a great program to develop. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the impressive facets of the process you describe in the paper was the surveying of your pharmacist staff in 2011 about their interest in a non-traditional residency. And among the eight pharmacists who said that they were definitely or potentially interested, what were the main reasons that they gave for their interest? Their main reasons were to improve their clinical, their leadership, and their preceptorship skills. Increased salary was one of those reasons, and promotion to a clinical position was the, the last one. Kevin, let me turn to you. Uh, please give us sort of a top-line overview of how your non-traditional program is organized. Sure. The program is open to any of our pharmacists that have been a member of the team for at least a full year. Then beyond that, it's pretty simple. It's a two-year program during which time they keep full pay and benefits. And in designing this, we felt it was really important to work with human resources to try to be able to keep that because we felt like a big limiting factor for people being able to go back and do residencies would be things such as mortgage payments, kids, car payments, and things like that. So we felt like we may be able to get a larger recruitment pool if, if we were able to help keep that full pay and benefit. But most of the experiences are four to six weeks long, as with our traditional program. However, after they complete one experience, then they have to return to their regularly scheduled rotation for a comparable period of time. Aside from that, all the residency requirements are basically the same for things like projects, ACPE presentations, and other things like that. 
And as I understand it, there's a service commitment for uh, individuals who go through the non-traditional program. Is that correct? That's certainly one of our intentions, is to use this as something that makes them want to stay here because we've upward trained them, and then hopefully at the end of the program, put them in a better position to use all of their clinical skills. But we actually haven't technically, in writing, made an absolute commitment to this at that point. It's, a, it's been a little bit of a complicating factor. Sure, I understand. Well, you've now accepted two applicants uh, into the program, uh, starting in 2012 and 2013, What can you say about the general characteristics of the individuals that have gone into this program? They're both two different people. They come in with two different sets of experience. The one has been a pharmacist for 22 years, but has experience in retail and a state hospital. The other one that we've matched with now has been a pharmacist for nine years, had experience in the Indian Health Service, as well as inpatient and retail as well. Both of them have been on our staff for about five to 10 years, so, but neither had previously applied for, for the residency. But you know, I would say generally both over their time here have been just very willing pharmacists. They've always been up for volunteering for additional assignment, and definitely both of them look for those opportunities in which they can interact with, with patients to, to improve their care. So it sounds as though these may have been individuals who were more uh, attuned to traditional practice, as we think of it, in hospital pharmacy, but really interested in moving more into patient care activities. Would that be an accurate generalization? Yeah, that would definitely be accurate. I mean, no matter who's applied to the program, that's been the consistency is they're all looking for a new opportunity to change how they're approaching pharmacy practice. Well, Kevin, continuing with you, uh, your first non-traditional resident has now been in the program since July of 2012. And what have been some of the main highlights of the experience from the resident's perspective, would you say? Definitely. Eric Eric is the non-traditional resident for that first position. And, you know, he's just been extremely thankful for having the opportunity to have time set aside to really focus in on learning more and really helping him better connect what he may be doing in his regular pharmacy practice with the why and and kind of taking it up a, up a level. But definitely one of the main highlights has just been having that time cut out in his schedule to sit down and focus in on learning and, and become better. Probably the other big highlight for him that and I'm not sure anybody really saw coming is just the relationships that he's been able to develop during the non-traditional residency program. You know, he developed really strong bonds with the uh, traditional PGY1 residents, and, and they were certainly able to help him get back into more of an academia mode in terms of learning while he was able to really help them out with the experience that he's brought in as a, as a pharmacist with 22 years of experience. And certainly now that they've moved on to their PGY2s and jobs after residency, I think he's definitely feeling the loss there a little bit. So, Well, Paul, a similar question for you. Uh, highlights mm-hmm. of the experience from your perspective as uh, chief of pharmacy. Yeah, great. Uh, We have actually found, I think, an overall increase in the participation in clinical activities among all the pharmacists. I think having a peer resident has helped to improve the entire staff, including the technicians. But uh, overall, I'd say for a relatively small investment, we're able to reap huge rewards from staff development across the board. Paul, I'm sort of curious. How much longer do you predict your hospital will continue with a non-traditional 
pharmacy residency program. You know, one thing that's in my mind is as more new graduates take residencies, will the demand for a non-traditional program eventually sort of dry up? What do you think? Yeah, well, as we noted in the article, there's a huge discrepancy between the number of pharmacists that desire to complete a residency and the number of residencies available. So we believe the chance of a new pharmacist coming on board with a residency is slight, actually, compared to the chance of a new pharmacist coming on board that desires to complete a residency. Now, having said that, we'll continue to have the program available as long as we have pharmacists interested in participating. We understand that there's a limited lifespan to a program like this, but uh, believe the benefits are there to continue through that lifespan. We don't have a lot of turnover here, which is something that we're very lucky, but uh, we know that not every pharmacist wants to participate as well. So we expect that the demand will eventually dry up sometime in the future. Additionally, though, we can bring it back if needed. Uh, We could go for years with no interest and then hire a new pharmacist and bring the program back for them. There really is no downside to having the program available. I see. Well, Kevin, uh, final point for you as we conclude our conversation here. Do you have any advice for others who might be contemplating uh, setting up a non-traditional pharmacy residency program? Certainly. I think the first thing is if you're contemplating it and you begin to move into stages of designing it and implementation, I think you definitely want to involve as much of your staff in that process as possible. You'll do a better job if you do that of getting everybody's buy-in to the new program. Because I think without that buy-in of the entire staff, you risk then having people that that either work against the program or don't support it. And and the resident's going to have a much better chance of success if if everybody around them, you know, the, the preceptors, the other residents, and the current members of the staff are supporting them through that process. The next piece of advice I would provide is it's a little different in that the applicants for the non-traditional program are known to everybody at the organization a little bit. And because of that, you may get some preconceived notions about what that person can or can't do or what their strengths or or weaknesses may be. And I think you need to do what you can to try to break those preconceived notions to make sure that, you know, everybody's getting that fair chance and that fair skill assessment so that everybody's doing everything that they can to, to help them out along the way. One of the last big challenges for us in terms of executing this program, too, has just been the scheduling aspect. Our pharmacists, they work a day shift, they work off tours, they work weekends, and scheduling it very carefully so that you don't have a negative impact on other people's schedules or other people's holidays or the amount of work that other people have to do as a result is important because you don't want to disengage anybody along the way in this process. So I think those are probably at least three of the big ones that that I would offer up, but I could probably go on all day about it too. So, <laughs> Well, thank you. Well, uh, Kevin Coons and Paul Carnes, the authors of a paper entitled Implementation of a Non-Traditional Postgraduate Year One Pharmacy Residency Program. Thank you so much for joining me in this conversation. That concludes this podcast. For more information, please visit www.ajhp.org.